Words are powerful. They can heal or hurt, innovate or destroy, cure us, bring us down, and then bring us right back up again. The words we choose evoke feelings and responses in ourselves and those who hear us on a daily basis. They can even, if we are wise, be life-saving. Welcome to There's a Word for That, a podcast that explores a different word or expression each week in our relationship to it. I'm your host, Suzanne Dressler, and thank you for joining me on this journey. For this episode, we are going to talk about the word celebrate, and it is a two-part episode because my guest, an old friend of mine, Loretta Nequacha, and I had such fabulous, juicy things to talk about that we didn't want anything to get missed in the hour, and we want people to really focus on all the important things we discuss. Loretta has a fascinating history, and one of the reasons she embodies the word celebrate or celebration is because of her history and her heritage. If you know her, you love her, and you think she's fabulous because she is truly one of the most loyal, gifted, intelligent, incredibly outgoing, exceptional human beings on the planet. There are very few people that have her vivacity for life and her love of life and her appreciation for life and everything it entails. So I wanted her to come on the show and talk about why she's always celebrating and why she values celebrations. So Loretta Nkwacha is a British-born Nigerian entertainer. She lives, works, and loves out loud in New York. She's a wife and mother of two young children. Her work as an entertainer ranges from several TV shows for the BBC to singing and dancing on London's West End stage, from playing Lady Macbeth across the UK to playing an American on America's longest-running CBS soap, discussing vocal techniques in London with Luther Vandross, and even singing for Bravo's Real Housewives in New York City. Her most recent endeavors have seen her host her own talk show on Facebook Live, Leave It to Loretta. And then leave it to Loretta and the family. And now a podcast, Living Out Loud with Loretta, which you all should subscribe to because it's fabulous, just like she is. Loretta, thank you for coming. We have Loretta with us today because Loretta is um, an old friend of mine. We met 15 years ago doing a show in the Fringe Festival. (laughs) I remember like bonding with you on the subway platform. And I was like, you're from England. You're like, you're like, yes, darling, I'm from England. I've been here like a year. And and I immediately liked you. And we were like bitching about like the director and like rehearsal schedule. And I'm like, I love this woman. Everything about you was fabulous. And I wanted to have you on the show because you kind of are celebration personified. You have more life in you than most people I know. And it's, and, and a good, I mean, like more life, like more energy, but it's, it's your love of life and your love of other people that I wanted to talk about. And also because I think you've been through some really traumatic events in your life. And I think that that might be, I could be wrong, but maybe that's why you feel that celebrating everything is so important. So if it's okay with you, darling, I would love to start back at the beginning, how you started and 
because <laughs> your uh, your Nigeria story when you told it to me like eight years ago, my jaw just fell on the floor, and it's quite a story. And I think our audience needs to hear this because in order to talk about celebrating, we have to talk about how you came oh. to be a celebrating person. Oh course. Now, it's wonderful that we're talking today because as you know, I've just celebrated a birthday, which obviously, you know, the first thing to think about for anyone that's going to be celebrating a birthday in these corona times, you have to remind yourself as much as things are really shit at the moment, if we're alive celebrating birthdays and we're healthy, that is such a big gift because if you think about the numbers of people that will not get to celebrate another birthday because their lives were cut short because of this bloody disease, when you, th- when you think of that, you just go, you know what? I'm going to just say thank you, heaven. Thank you, you know, whatever it is that you, that you believe in. Thank you for giving me another year of life and a year of life where I'm healthy, where my loved ones are healthy. You know, yes, I'm confined to my home, but hello, how lucky am I that I have a home and that I have my family here to celebrate with and lots of bottles of Verplico champagne that I cannot stop drinking. So, on a side note, right, I'm taking a break and drinking some Pellegrino water now just to kind of, you know, rehydrate a little bit. But um, yeah, I I think celebration, first of all, it's an excuse to be happy. You know what I mean? Like, right. even if you're not feeling it, if there's a mandatory celebration. A mandatory. To, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Mandatory. Well, it always is mandatory with you, right? Like, it always is mandatory. Yeah. Darling, but especially since, since uh, you know, quarantine, every oh. Friday, as soon as I would lock off, you know, clock off, rather, clock off my mummy teacher duties at three o'clock or whatever, I'm like, right. okay, time to pour a cocktail put some makeup on. Well, first of all, take a shower, put some makeup on, do my hair, put something nice to wear on. Even if at my house, you know, I can call friends, catch up, but you just feel better. You feel you've taken a shower when you've put something on your face, when you've done your hair, you're wearing something, you know, something other than bloody, you know, sweatpants or your sweaty clothes from working out in the morning. It right. just kind of lifts your mood. And then you're catching up. It would be literally Fridays, and kind of Sundays would be my days to catch up with friends. And then Saturdays is just the day for me to just sit on the couch and, you know, veg out or whatever, or pig out, not really veg out, pig out. <laughs> um, you know, watch rubbish TV or Sex in the City, if, even if there's the movies, the movies that were oh, not so rubbish great. is Actually, the best. Know, rubbish is the, the best yeah. TV, though. Seriously, it's the best. It's the best TV. Like, um, it, it's just therapy such good therapy yes. just doing nothing not having to think not having to move but I yeah i think it's it's important to remember the beauty but that's a celebration too because that's a celebration of your right to relax right. and yes. your right to yes. be like i'm taking this time for myself i spent the whole fucking Thank week you. with my kids i spent the yes. whole week dealing with everybody's anxiety issues yes. my ass and now i'm celebrating downtime <laughs> i literally call it clocking off of my mummy teacher duties or teacher yeah. mommy i can't who knows which the whole thing's a mess when yeah. i clock off you know what i mean like i'm just anyone luckily you know i've got a 10 year old and five year old five year old thinks he can cook everything i'm like don't you dare so the 10 year old so she's the one making the breakfast i'm like hey what do you think you might want for lunch blah 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 okay sophie you make it there you go dinner i will provide you know, I will provide it. I will cook, I guess, on the Saturday. But Friday, we're going to whatever, you know, restaurant. We're get, getting the food delivered. We're getting, or daddy, if daddy's home, then he's making homemade pizza, which is de- delicious. 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 I want you to talk to me because this is such an amazing story. And I want you to talk to me about how you 
your childhood and how you fled Nigeria and what happened, um, events leading up to that, because it is unbelievable. Okay, we have 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, how many hours do you have? Well, you were born in England. Okay, so born in London, uh, and in fact, I was the first child, born. my parents were both born in Nigeria. So um, there's an interesting sort of explanation I have to make when, you know, obviously I look just like any other African-American, but obviously I am not African-American. I am indeed African, but born in London and brought up in London. Um, and my parents, unlike many of the African-American descendants, were not brought to England um, with the slave trade. Right. They were me or a couple of many, many um, black people that came from Nigeria, came from other parts of Africa, came from the West or Jamaica or whatever. Um, and were welcomed, actually, to come and live in places like London or whatever to basically help boost the economy, um, you know, come for, for education. That's a lot of people, they would come, you know, get a higher education and then take the education they've gained and take it back to their country, in fact. So my father oh. was the first one to leave Nigeria. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he left Nigeria just before the Nigerian Biafran War, which I think was 65 to 67 or a bit later. I can't really remember. I should probably <laughs> look that up and <laughs> tell that story accurately. But my mother told us, yeah, you know what I mean? But my mother yeah. so often, you know, and so as, as age has progressed with me, I cannot remember now what dates, what years they were. But I know right. that she spent two years during that for a year and a half, um, about six months of it. Living in, in the, the jungle? jungle. Oh my God. Okay. Yes, living in the jungle. They had a home, but basically they, they were in the middle of a war. It was a war for territory. It was a war for independence. Um, and basically this is when Nigeria got their independence, I guess, from uh, England and whatever else. And just, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big historical, you know, very much about. <laughs> so I should yeah. probably go. Oh God, I feel so ignorant that I don't know about you it. You know, obviously England were aware of it and, you know, sort of whatever the negotiations that were going on, but, but Nigeria did eventually gain their independence. But the war was happening. My whole family were chased out of their home, out of their village. And a lot of them, um, I mean, I can, I can hear my mother telling the story, but people just basically ran left and right, you know, and ran into the jungles where you were, you know, because obviously... Literally of, running. Imagine, you know, Vietnam or whatever. So when then, yeah, yeah, literally, literally running. So she had my, my um, three older brothers, my two older brothers and my older sister with her. My father had left already by then and come to England to come and get a home so that he could take his qualifications and eventually go back to Nigeria and carry on with teaching. He eventually did become the principal of a, of a college before he right. passed away. Um, so, my, so, this, so my mother, from the stories she's told me, she was um, in the jungle for like about six months. Um, and then everyone sort of came back to their homes and obviously rebuilt, had to rebuild. I have two older brothers, one older sister, then it's me, then it's Helen. So oh, right. Helen Your older I sister. Okay. Closest. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. My old, older sister, old, two older brothers. Um, Helen will tell you that they're all aliens. And they are. <laughs> you know, listen, human beings are very strange. We creations. are very complicated and not at all normal. <laughs> None of us. Exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting because my, uh, you know, abnormal ways and Helen's abnormal ways mesh very well together. So she had been best friends, you know, from, I don't know, from very early on. You know what I mean? It's, and right. it's, I used to invite, invite her to my parties, meet up, you know, in the middle of the week and go for dinner and whatever else. And I remember telling my older brother, telling my old, one of my older brothers this, and he was absolutely like so surprised, but I was, like, I was so happy to spend extra time outside of family things with my sister. I'm like, yeah, but 
I think she's really, she's, you know, she's very, very, you know, just funny. Um, she's very ambitious. Yes. She's very practical. She's, you know, I love her. I actually love this human being. If I met her and I wasn't related to her, I'd want to be her friend. I think she's right. so cool. That's the best. So, yeah. um, so That's anyway, the best. So I love that. I'm, I'm very lucky in that yeah. sense because with my mother and my father, when my mother did eventually move to England, when he, my father sent the ticket and she moved to England with my two older, uh, my two older siblings, my oldest brother stayed in Nigeria with mother he wanted to stay there so he ended up growing up in Nigeria whereas the rest of us grew up in England so you know I, you might imagine that that kind of caused a bit of an issue once he's now he's now an adult and he comes to England and so you know the four of us we barely know him you know and he has to kind of assert his authority because he is the oldest in the family right it's kind of it did certainly bring a lot of uh, a lot of um, complications <laughs> to our relationships to say the least so you were born in England your three older siblings were there. Yeah. Okay. When did you all yes. come so back? So my mother arrives. Okay. So hold on. So my mother arrives in like 1971 or whatever it is to England with my two older siblings. And then soon after, 72, 1972. 1972. Okay. That's right, darlings. She turned 40. 48. 48. She turned 48. 48. I remember my mother being 44. That was a, that was a number I of know. for so long. I remember um, my mother like, being mine. She was an old woman. It yeah, seemed. I know. I know. Crazy, I, have a picture, right? I have a picture of my dad holding me as a baby. And he was 36. And I'm like, I'm older than that. I'm older than wow. he is. And I remember his 40th birthday party because I was wow. so fucking angry that I couldn't go. And my grandparents came over to babysit oh. us because my parents threw, yeah. my mom threw a 40th birthday party for my dad. And um, I remember being at the end of the hallway crying. I was four. The end of the hallway crying because I saw my father leave. And I'm like, I want to come. I want to come. And they're like, bye. Just waving like, we'll see you later. And I was so angry that I couldn't go to the party. <laughs> it's for the grown-ups, Suzanne. It's no, but I'm like, why? Why can't I go? <laughs> oh, okay, I know. God, me cry? <laughs> when do I ever cry? <laughs> Christ. There should be like a medication for people. That when I was in kindergarten, I used to get a certificate at the end of the week if yeah. I could go the week without crying. Wow. And they, that's how they, they, they said, okay, you're crying so much. Let's try this. And the thing is, it never worked. I couldn't go a week without crying, but they, st they gave me the certificate anyway. <laughs> the purpose, teachers? They're like, we'll give Mama it to you even though you cry. <laughs> <laughs> I just think yeah, it's okay. really they're like okay. they're like whatever we give up. <laughs> this, this kid is a mess. Oh my god! Oh right? I was so it did. I oh, was god. so oh, sensitive. Gosh. I was like, ooh. I mean, I'm still very sensitive, but like everything made me cry as a kid. Yeah. Like sad movies made me sob. Like everything. I was like exquisitely <laughs> sensitive. It was. I mean, I still am, but it's hard when you're, you're an empath. I'm, yeah, I have a lot of empathy. Yes, I have empath. a tremendous amount of empathy. Okay, back yeah. to you. Back, back to Nigeria. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, celebrate okay, my so, crying. Um, okay, so, 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 no. Well, listen, you know, it has to come It has to come out because otherwise you keep it inside and then it will come out. Well, you and I know that, right? You and I know that. Yeah. You and I know that you can't keep things. I mean, you're like me in that sense. You can't keep things inside because it's very yeah. dangerous. Exactly. Okay. So. Yeah. Destructive. It is. 
Okay, anyway, okay, so, all right, so, um, so I was born, blah, 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 so then eight years afterwards, or maybe, hold on, I remember, I remember my father walking me to my first day of school, um, you know, I went to Catholic schools my whole life, um, and I remember that being in my grey uniform, that's the one good memory I have of my father, because soon after born, my father started to get very violent, very aggressive with my mother, she was definitely, um, there was a lot of domestic abuse, um, my older brother and older sister didn't get that much of it from my story, from the stories I've heard from my mother. But my mother, he was very, very abusive. My mother actually leave him. Uh, she went to an old, no, um, a women's refuge, um, you know, battered women's homes. I think mm -hmm. those things were actually called that um, at that time. Uh, but he would find her each time. And when I heard these stories as a as an adult or in my sort of teens, my late teens. I was very confused and I just didn't understand because my mother to me, when I became an adult or, you know, late teens, was very strong, yet very right. soft, you know, mm -hmm. but very, very wise, very smart, all of these things. And it didn't make sense to me that this woman who, who was a giant in my life, but a positive one, like really, she's, you know, just, just a lot of love, an enormous amount of love, but still very strong. I didn't understand how she was someone that got beaten up by this guy like yeah. it didn't make sense to me at all it, it doesn't did, ever I, make I, sense it, does it, it abuse it was very bizarre but abuse never does oh, make sense it, right it doesn't it happens to the strongest yeah, yeah. i mean we you all know realize. you have no idea right you have you think those oh that woman would never get involved with an abusive spouse that person would never stay with a boyfriend or a yes. woman because women, women can be like super verbally abusive yes. and emotionally abusive you think why would he stay with her? Yes. But it happens and it's so insidious that it just slowly boils up until you're yes. like mired in it. And, you know, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, I consider myself lucky that I've, you know, I've never been in an abusive relationship um, and I didn't see it growing up. My parents yeah. had a very like stable marriage, yeah. but yeah. I know a lot of people who've been through it and just because you come from a stable family doesn't mean that you're going to go into a stable family and exactly you have no idea and it happens across if you look up statistics like it happens to every socioeconomic background every color every yes. every nationality yes. you know it's not just happening to one group of people yes. it's it's pervasive in every exactly. kind of person every kind of class and background and it's upsetting because you often don't, you look at people and you think, God, they have such a great life. They have it together. And then you find out that the guy was like mm. calling her names for 10 years and like putting her down. And yeah. Yeah. Cheating on her left and right. And you think to yourself, like, why did she stay with him? Like, why do they stay? And it's so much more, yeah. especially when you have children, it's so much That's more complicated it. than that. That's it. That, that was my question to my mother, you know, when we did actually finally have the conversation and we had the conversation when uh, we found out that my father had died in Nigeria. Now he I remember very, this. I remember yeah. when he died and you had a dream about him. Yes. 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 And he was so well-respected, like really just, <laughs> you know, just, and it was, I, I couldn't understand. I, I was asking my mother, like, why? Why did you stay? Or why, when you ran away, why would you then go back to him? And in fact, in like end of 1979, early 1980, my mother sold all, our, all of our things and said, okay, we're moving back to Nigeria. And I, at this point, I'm, you know, seven or eight or whatever. So I didn't really have much of a say. Um, right. And mm -hmm. Helen, was, Helen was like four or whatever. 
But literally, when we arrived back in Nigeria, it was a whole big to do, you know, oh, the family from England, oh, the Nkwachas, the Nkwachas. They're coming home, they're coming home. Eh? It was a big, seriously, it was a big celebration. Fantastic. Celebrate, celebrate. And within months. Celebrate, exactly. You yeah. see, I, my life is full of celebration because you know what? Especially in Africa, and if you think about it, if you think about the, 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 the fact that a lot of Africa, a lot of Africans, rather, um, you know, are not doing well financially um, for various reasons that are obviously yes. uh, completely steeped in the way that the government is run. <laughs> but there's a lot of celebrating. There's a lot of celebrating. In Nigeria. A baby in, is born. You're celebrating for weeks. That's yeah. amazing. So that's also yeah. part of where it yeah. comes from for you. Exactly. Any, so any little thing, any little thing. Someone's coming on, on vacation from London or USA and it's like a big celebration. You know, you, you hire out the DJ, he comes and, you know, sets up in your yard and the whole village comes and the party goes on. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, way to keep yeah, the way positive of life. and to and yet positive way of life. And the respect for life, and yes, to value life, you know? to know that this yeah. is this is every everything in life is a big deal is a, is a reason to celebrate, exactly. right? Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. So you exactly. go back. So then the Quachas have come home. <laughs> yes, celebrated. The Quachas have come home. Woo! <laughs> and then within 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 months, my father the abuse again, and at this point, it was a lot maybe a lot harder because at this point he had risen through the ranks and was now at this point he was all of a, of a university and it was far away from our village like where we actually are from so we were kind of isolated you know we didn't really have any other family around us like the way we, we were used to back in the village you have you know uncles aunts cousins grandmothers you know grandparents or um, it literally is a village raising the children you know what right. i mean it's not just kind of you and your little home and that's it so we were quite isolated. And, you know, at that point, the abuse started. He turned his attention to me, you know. Um, it was never, it was never a, a sexual abuse, but it was a lot of physical abuse. Right. And you were like eight to the years point, old? I mean, I, yeah, it's between the eight, ages of eight and like 10 and a half. Christ. So I was very aware at a young age that I definitely had some sort of a guardian angel or, or something that was definitely a god because my life was put in danger so many times by this man, you know, and I believe now or have believed for a few years since becoming, you know, a, an adult who's looked into mental health, et cetera, et cetera. I believe he was bipolar and undiagnosed. Um, and I'm guessing yeah. that even if it, you know, it was not something that was discussed or even, you know, topic of conversation or even an idea for a lot of people, especially black people, especially black people of that generation. It's just not, it wasn't something that was even brought up. But I believe wholeheartedly that he was bipolar and couldn't deal with it very well, wow. you know? Yeah, totally. Because my mother fell in love. I mean, you look at the pictures and she would always describe my dad as like the most gorgeous man she'd ever met. Like literally, they met at 18 and she fell hard. You know what I mean? Or met right. just, just before she turned 18 because they got married at 18. And I've got the Jeez. wedding picture here and they look like babies. They right. look like babies. They were know, babies. And, yeah. Yeah. You know? So, but she always, always still was in love with him, even through all of that. And I guess that's why she was trying to still persist and try and make this relationship work. But when you're, when you're being abused, your brain even, your brain is not your own, you know? It's no, the neurons own. aren't firing correctly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So the abuse started again, um, and then one by one, my older brothers and sisters, they were away at, you know, away at college or away at private school. I was with my dad 
very soon after the abuse started, my mother made the decision because my sister was so young. She literally stole away in the night and got to uh, the main capital city and came back to England. How did she but get I out? I was left with... And, and that, I remember you telling me that um, there were some issues with, like, there was some anger you had. Like, why did my mom leave me with... Yeah, absolutely. And trust me, this is stuff that I've gone through with my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love therapy, though. Uh, we, we love therapy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Everyone, everyone, <laughs> everyone should, should do therapy. At Every, least once there's in no, their life. There's I, no, yeah. I don't know people, I don't know how people who haven't had therapy, even if it was just like, a month or two in their life, like yeah. just for the sheer fact of understanding yes. your own unconscious and your own patterns. I don't know how people yes. who haven't had therapy yes. function. <laughs> like I really well, don't get it. That's it. I don't. And they, whether they don't think therapy is necessary or literally having a text conversation with another friend and she's saying oh no my therapy is um you know it's like going to, to the, not going to the gym but doing such and such workouts you know on, on youtube and blah blah whatever i'm like mm, no okay no okay. that's not yeah yeah, yeah your yoga yeah, teacher I mean, is not going to be able to explain to you why you keep getting into unfulfilling relationships right you're not going to yeah. figure that out like yeah and I, I don't i don't yeah i mean and it's never too late either, right? And I think a lot exactly. of people don't go because of fear. I think there's a fear like, I don't want to uncover the reasons right. why I do that. I don't want to know. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. revisit my childhood where this trauma happened and that trauma happened. Yes, yes. And I, I get and that, but... This is, this is definitely very close to home, not for me, but because uh, I'm all about therapy. Like I've said to, I've said on my own podcast, I think I said it to someone else. who and We had a conversation a few well. years ago when you were like, thank God yeah. you said, you know, thank God we talked. Yeah, that's, that's it. And you literally, you pointed me in the direction because I was, I, I knew I was on the path to doing some damage to myself. Mm -hmm. And I, there was no one else that I knew. I knew you, I knew one other woman whom you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention her yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I was, I was getting like no, no warmth from that person at all. And it was like, I need help. Um, I, I reached out to you. Obviously you, you were the only other like, proper close friend that I had, right, but also yeah. because I knew that you were in mm -hmm. therapy and you had a friend who was, so I thought, please help me. And you, yeah. did, you just pointed me in the right direction. And it was the best thing that I did for my life, yes. you know, then and still going back into it now. You know, I did about oh nine months then and going back into it now, it's, I think it's essential. It's essential. It is. You know? I agree. But um, anyway, so okay. dialing it back. So I'm left with my dad um, and the abuse was, 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 it was, the thing is, it wasn't even, it wasn't uh, just aimed at me. It was, he put his sister in hospital, his own sister. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. How he, old was uh, she? Um, she, I think she was like a couple of years, either a couple of years older than him or a couple of years younger. It's your aunt. Yeah. He put her in hospital or like not with some big old plank of wood or something. I, yeah. It was, it was, it was horrific, really. This man, he was tortured. He was a tortured soul. Yeah. But well, at the same time. Most abusers are. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, the, that's not the face that other people saw. You know, the, 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 he was revered. He was revered, like anytime he would, you know, he'd come home from, from, you know, coming back from, you know, the end of the semester or whatever, driving into the village, everyone's like, oh, baby, you know, baby, everyone's, you know, celebrating again, him coming back and spending, celebrating, you know, spending yeah. the summer at home, you know, <laughs> but it was, it was like, I was, it was, it was, it was bizarre. And me being a child at the time, I don't know, it was, it was almost accepted. 
in the family. It's just that's just how he is. You know, he has a bad temper. That's it. So you don't you don't call the police on your you know yeah. on your on your, your your husband or your your brother or whatever or your father. That type of thing didn't exist then. So anyway, my oldest brother, who at this point was now working in the capital city, I think it was Lagos or Abuja. I can't remember. I think it was Lagos. Right. Um, he through communication with my mother. My mother had kind of saved up some money and bought a ticket sent it to my oldest brother and asked him to basically come and get me from the village, come and get me that we were, it was like a, you know, a vacation from school and whatever. It was like a summer vacation or Christmas or one of those holidays, sent him to come and get me and bring me back to Lagos and then put me on a plane to send me back to London. So my brother came, um, you know, I think he stayed maybe half a day or a whole day or whatever. And then told me to pack a bag. I packed a bag and we took a taxi to the, the main the main city and then mm-hmm. was we were waiting at the bus de- depot on the bus like a ca- like a coach or whatever you know you know like the Hampton Jitney or whatever mm-hmm. waiting so waiting on that for the for the you know people are getting their food and everything and getting ready yeah. to get on the, to board the bus I'm sitting down my brother is next to me I look up and there's like seven or eight policemen on the bus like shoot what's happening here they come straight for my brother and me tell us to get up. We get up, we get off the bus, there's my dad. So someone Ugh. had seen someone had seen my brother basically putting me in a taxi and and kind of knew I had a case, a little suitcase. So I guess they knew that he was taking me. But it's like, even then, okay, ha, what you you know that there's abuse going on. Whoever it was that reported it, I don't even know. I still don't know to this day. Why would you call the police? I'm not being kidnapped by some stranger. This is my brother. And my brother at the time was a doppelganger for my dad. So the police, when they got my brother off the bus, they're looking at him, they're looking at my, my dad, they're like, okay, <laughs> you, sir, sir, Mr. Nkwacha, you, you called us to say that your daughter was being abducted, but this person here looks just like you. He said, yes, this is my son, but okay. So it's a domestic issue. The, the coach was left, was, uh, you know, allowed to leave. I was taken back with my dad. My brother got on the, um, well, actually went somewhere else and then got on the coach and went back to Lagos. Then a few months later, or maybe weeks, I don't know now, the whole time in between just kind of was like a dream, like a nightmare. Right. It was going very slowly, you know. Uh, obviously, um, I was yeah, it was very surreal, well. right? Yeah, yeah, very surreal. Very, it's like someone. I'm else sure you like, blocked some of. I'm sure you blocked some of it out. I think so. I mean, I, there are certain things that I haven't blocked out that are so ingrained in my brain, and one day I will write it down and just kind of because it's like it's like a movie. It's like I'm watching a movie and something like these bad things happening to someone else, you know, but I knew that I had a guardian angel because I should have been dead. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Celebrate. Please tune in next Tuesday where we are going to talk even more about why it is so important that we all celebrate on a daily basis. Have a good weekend. Thank you so much for listening today. If there is a word or phrase you would love to have covered on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out. And remember, whatever you are thinking, feeling, or experiencing, there's always a word for that. See you next time.